This morning we're looking at uh, Galatians 4, verses 21 to 31. I think we can probably all find Galatians now. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, be glad barren woman, you who never bore a child. Break forth and cry aloud, you who were never in labor because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of that free woman. This is the word of the Lord. As we look at this, pull them on. Oops, oh, that's going to put them out of order. Hold on a sec. (laughs) Right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, your goodness to us. And we pray that as we read this passage, you might uh, teach us more of your freedom, of your grace. Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see wonderful things in your word this morning. Amen. On on the 1980s, there was a quiz show called Family Fortunes. How many of you want to confess to ever watching Family Fortunes in the 1980s? Oh, not many. (laughs) Two families pit their wits against one another, and whenever they get an answer wrong, the buzzer would do this. Do you remember that? I did that quite quietly. You could do that a lot more loudly. And the other other family would get the opportunity to get the answer right. And I gather that this game has returned to our screens in the last year or so. Not that I watch it. And it's exactly the same with that irritating noise. When people get things wrong. And as we come to this passage, Paul uses 
a powerful illustration to make his point again about the right way to live as followers of Christ. And there were two families standing opposed to each other, opposite to each other, Hagar and Sarah. And Paul, write, Paul writes, one is off track. Wah, wah. That's the last time I'm going to do that. And the other discovers what it means to trust God and get it right, as it were. The story of Hagar and Sarah would have been really familiar to the Judaizers in Galatia. And as Paul begins to draw on their story to challenge them, they may well have initially thought, great, finally this man understands our history and our heritage and the reason why we want believers to continue with these Jewish customs and traditions. But you see, that's not what Paul's getting at at all. In fact, he's simply reiterating the point he's been making throughout his letter, drawing together the argument of the last few chapters by way of this allegory. There are two ways to live. Either suggesting that obeying the works of the law and particularly getting circumcised was what would really need to be saved, or, as Paul says again and again through this letter, that faith in Christ was wholly sufficient to be saved. So he begins saying, if you have a look at the passage, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? In other words, look, you who hold so strongly to the law, are you actually aware of what it is saying to you? And then he goes on to make his point. There are two ways to live. The do-it-yourself way or the do-it-by-faith way. The do-it-yourself way or the do-it-by-faith way. Firstly, the do-it-yourself way. Abraham re received a promise from God in Genesis that he would be the father of nations. God said, look up in the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. So shall your offspring be. But Sarah was barren. And in her disappointment, her pain, her doubt, and her lack of faith, she perhaps thought she knew better than God. Since she couldn't have a child, she decided it must be a better option to get this long line of offspring going and encourage her husband to sleep with Hagar, their Egyptian slave. That way they can begin the family through her. So she took things into her own hands and by her own efforts manipulated the situation. And the result was Ishmael, born in the natural way, or as the, this passage says, according to the flesh. You see, Paul says this is the do-it-yourself way, thinking you can make things right by sorting it out yourself, by your own efforts. And Hagar, in the passage, represents the old covenant, the covenant of law and of slavery. And the covenant that leads to Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments and the law was introduced to help people to walk in relationship with God. Instead of seeking to keep the law out of love for the one who'd given it, the Jews, the people of God, mistakenly just focused on the law itself. Convinced that if they kept it, they would win God's approval and be acceptable to him. The Judaizers 
infiltrated, that's the word, the Galatian church. We know that now. We've read it a number of weeks. Seeking to persuade Christians back to the old covenant. And Paul even suggests that the present city of Jerusalem is at the heart of this do-it-yourself way of living, where the doers of the law are most at home. You can imagine the Judaizers were horrified to hear him speak of their spiritual home like that. When we're tempted to think that we can win God's approval by our own efforts, then we are doing the same, living the do-it-yourself way and in danger of returning to slavery instead of living in freedom. But there is an alternative way that Paul writes, the do-it-by-faith way. And this way relies on listening to God and trusting him even when things seem impossible and even when things are deeply painful. And this is the way of Abraham, who after trying to do things his way, listens to God's promise that he would have offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and believes the Lord and he credited it to to him as righteousness. This is the way of those who want to live with God as their Lord, under his blessing and under his rule. The way of Abraham and Sarah, who after years of the who years after the promise and despite trying to sort it all out for themselves with Hagar, became parents of Isaac at a hundred years old. Not in the natural way, obviously, but as verse 23 tells us, by the supernatural work of God. They trusted God's divine promise and he stepped in and did what he said he would, graciously giving them what they don't deserve and could not get from themselves, the gift of a son, a miracle child. Sarah represents the new covenant fulfilled in Christ, which was promised in the Old Testament. And the writer of Hebrews sums it up, makes, making the point that Christ's work on the cross makes this first covenant obsolete. No more sacrifices are necessary to make us right with God. No more work to be done or effort to be made because his death on our behalf sets all people free from the bondage of slavery and of trying to keep the law. Not only that, there's a new Jerusalem, a heavenly home where those who trust the promise and have faith even in the hardest of times really belong with Christ. What an incredible gift it was for Sarah and Abraham to have a child when it was naturally an impossibility. We know that there are many times in our lives when we might feel barren and empty. We might feel that God is miles away. We might feel deeply hurt and disappointed. We might feel let down by him. But you know, the way of faith means trusting God in that disappointment and darkness. Trusting that he will bring us through and into a place of light and joy because he is there. He is for us and he is faithful. His grace is sufficient just as it was for Abraham and Sarah. So the question is, do you want to live the way of Ishmael or the way of Isaac? 
The stark reality for the Judaizers, so obsessed by keeping the law, was that they were in danger of heading back into bondage and slavery and going round and round in that same cycle of law and sin. Are we in danger of slipping back into that way of thinking? Thinking that if we do this or do that, we'll be okay. If we keep coming to church or attending prayer meetings or helping out with kids' work. Or in our disappointment and our struggle and pain, are we in danger of giving up and losing sight of God's grace, thinking that we just need to make life happen for ourselves? You see, this is the way of Ishmael, the do-it-yourself way, relying on no one but ourselves to find a way to God or make life work for us. It's exhausting. It's relentless. And to be honest, we just can't do it. Or do we want to live the way of Isaac and live as children of promise, as it tells us in verse 28? Do we trust God? Do we trust that everything has been done for us in Christ? Do we lean on him, have faith, even though, even through the most challenging of times, staying close and walking with him? It isn't easy, is it? And it's not easy, especially if, like Sarah, we've walked with sadness for many years. There'll be times when we think our own, our own efforts, our own uh, work, or the way we want to do it is a better option. But you see, the promise of God includes an inheritance that will never spoil or fade, and it's waiting for us. It's a promise of freedom and grace it's a promise that as we come to the last chapters of this letter, includes the wonderful gift-giving spirit of Jesus himself living within us and equipping us to cope with all that we face. Living as people of faith, it isn't the easy option. Look at verse 29. Paul refers to Ishmael's mocking of Isaac, reminding the Galatian Christians that the way of spirit, the spirit, the way of trusting Christ alone will actually bring persecution. We will need to stand firm and keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus. And we'll need to make sure too that we don't listen to those that tempt us back again and again to the law. Paul writes that those who drag us back to thinking we can earn our salvation should actually be got rid of completely to be cast out of the church, as it were, if you have a look at verse 30. We need to be really careful who we listen to, making sure that those who teach us, who focus on the true gospel, that those who befriend us don't undermine our faith or suggest that we can do a better way other than God's way. But you see, with God's grace and faithfulness working in our lives, that freedom comes when we trust Christ, the promise of heaven and his spirit to equip us and help us and comfort us is the way to go. And I know for me, it's the way I would much rather go. So the question is, what about you? Which way would you rather go? As I finish, I want to ask, are you confident of where your spiritual home is. Many times I hear, well, I hope I've been good enough. I hope I'm going to meet Jesus one day. 
I hope I've done everything. I hope everything's okay. And you can hear the doubt in people's voices and insecurity or maybe even fear that they're just not good enough to make it to heaven. But you see, the whole story of Scripture is about grace. There was no law at the time of Abraham, only grace. There was no law when the Israelites crossed the, um, crossed the sea, the Red Sea. There was only grace. You see, God's grace is unchanging and it is for you. And it's a free gift for you to receive. And all you need to do to be saved is to believe and trust in Jesus and his work on the cross. He's done everything to save you. He's done everything to help you, to carry you through the hard, dark, suffering times, the times of disappointment. When you trust him, your place with him is guaranteed eternally, and it's begun the moment you trust him. It's not something you wait for until you die. Eternity with him begins now. So let's live as children of the promise in freedom, with our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus and on him alone. Let's pray together. Lord, for, for some of us, it may be really hard to hear this and to actually, to feel it, I suppose, to know that it's true that we live in grace, that the best way to live is by faith in you. And that may be because we have faced hard times and life has felt disappointing and, and we're hurting, or we face great sadnesses and struggles, as Sarah did. But Lord, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for Jesus. That this world is not all that, it, all that it is, all that is. But we have an eternity with a holy, loving God who pours out his love upon us, who comforts us who has been there before us when we face pain and struggle, who provides all we need, and who has enabled us to live in freedom as children of the promise. May we choose you, Lord, today, the weeks to come. May we choose to live in your grace, trusting Jesus.